1: Welcome to the Tim Demos Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: Good afternoon. couple minutes after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thank you for listening in. Forecast calling for a kind of cloudy rest of the afternoon. Sky's looking a bit ominous, at least at our station making a shower thunder shower. 87 the high low of 66 good deal of sun tomorrow but maybe a shower in the mix and a high of 92 so happy second half of the year we begin the back nine of 2020 hopefully there will be some uh, some birdies some eagles some pars less bogeys than the front nine if you will Although the truth is, you know, if you believe God's in control, and I do believe he's very much in control, then you can trust him even when things are very, very shaky. And uh, maybe you don't even think things are shaky. I don't want to feed that narrative necessarily. I know for some folks, it's been a very hard time these past six months. For others, less difficult. Lord willing, we can just be kind to each other, love each other as best we can. One take it one day at a time and seek to please him in that. Now, I can tell you this, one thing I know folks are doing these days, uh, as they're home a little more than they used to be, is looking for kind of other ways to perhaps pass the time or enjoy each other, and watching films has become a thing, even probably more so than before. You've been hearing about one such film on WFIL in recent days, Return to the Hiding Place, came out about eight, nine years ago, and uh, it's the story... Uh, it, it, it's well. I should say this: a lot of folks are familiar with the original hiding place, Corey Ten Boom, and and that's a, that's like a historical, you know, ama- amazing uh, book that many have read. Return to the hiding place is also a book. It, it's not written before it or after it or whatever. It's a it's kind of a, a parallel book, and um, well, you, we'll we'll get into it as the as the hour unfolds because there's a film around Return to the Hiding Place and. One of the actors who stars in that film is joining us from the uh, Island of Man in the middle of the Irish Sea, Uh, (laughs) which is between Ireland and uh, and England. None other than John Rhys Davis, who you will know from the Lord of the Rings films as Gimli the Dwarf. He also does the voice of Treebeard. He's been in the Indiana Jones uh, movies and... Many other things over the years, including more recently, a version of Pilgrim's Progress that came out, I guess, about a year ago. He was the voice of Evangelist. And so without further ado, let's bring in John Reese davis
3: How you doing, my friend? How are you, sir? Very well, though it's cold and windy here in the Isle of Man.
2: Yeah, the Isle of Man, if I have my geography correct, is about halfway between Ireland and England. Is that right? Somewhere in there?
3: That's right. Well, um, equidistant from Ireland, England, Wales, and Scotland. In fact, we say that um, from the top of our, we call it a mountain, you would call it a hill, Um top of our highest mountain here in the Isle of Man, we can see seven kingdoms. To the west, the kingdom of Ireland. To the north, the kingdom of Scotland. To the east, the kingdom of England. To the south, the kingdom of Wales. And, of course, when we look up, we have the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah. Wow.
3: That's really cool.
2: <laughs> what was cool. Yeah. Well, so you're of Welsh descent, right? So the area is not that crazy that you would wind up in that part of the world. But uh, you weren't always on the Isle of Man, right? You've been there for a number of years. What led you to, to move there?
3: In, in truth, uh, because houses were cheaper here, and I, my darling old first wife, was developing Alzheimer's, mm. and I knew that I knew that I could not afford to send her to a nursing home in England, and uh, and so thirty odd years ago, I bought a, a little cottage here that was about to fall in the sea, actually, um, though it hasn't quite gone in the sea yet. And then, uh, as the time grew closer, I I changed it for another house, and my mother had died, and there were more furnits, more furniture. But it, it it was simply because I really could not have afforded to keep her for the thirteen years that I had to, had to keep her in in a nursing home. I could not have afforded to do that yeah. in, in in London. So economics,
2: economics. Sure, sure. And I understand, just for for a bird's eye perspective, uh, I I always like learning about other parts of God's world and what he makes and what things look like. From what I understand, uh, well, I won't even guess. Can you just share for a minute about the geography uh, or topography of the Isle of Man? I've I've heard some things about its sheep and its mountains and castles or whatever, but what's it like?
3: It's a very odd thing, um, because The Scottish earls of Athol, A-T-H-O-L, owned it uh, and were were lords of man for some time. And there are some little anomalous islands. Now, the island man's history is rather interesting. It it used to be the center of a Celtic civilization that encompassed Ireland, uh, Scotland, Northern England, Wales... Uh, and, and of course Cornwall and Brittany. Okay. Uh, so it, it's got an old history. Um, yeah. Well, uncharitably it has been described as 70,000 alcoholics clinging to a rock in the Irish Sea. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't actually quite like that. It's, it's sort of a mixture of Cornwall and Scotland.
2: John Reese davis our guest. We have a quick break we need to take. We'll keep our conversation going here in just a second.
1: You are listening to The Tim DeMoss
2: Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the
1: WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com.
2: AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app. From the Isle of Man, joined by actor John Reese Davis, who's had roles in many films, including Lord of the Rings, the Raiders of the Lost Ark series, and uh, we're talking today also about the film Return to the Hiding Place, which tells the story of Hans Poli, who's a non-Jewish fugitive. After he refused to pledge his allegiance to the Nazis, Poli was actually the first person hidden in the Ten Boom house in Holland from uh, the Hiding Place a story, which is uh, not just a story. It's, uh, you know, just uh, amazingly uh, a true story. This is a question I was going to ask you a little bit later on, but I can even just mention it. Now you have the, a website and a YouTube channel where you take time and you, you speak of things that really you're passionate about. And one of them is stories, right? And history and how important it is to write things down, how important books are. Um, oh,
3: very, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And you, cannot understand the present and make calculations about how present events may or will probably turn out without a knowledge of history.
2: As it pertains to the the movie Return to the Hiding Place, which is one of many, many things you've been in. Of course, folks know you as Gimli uh, from Lord of the Rings and uh, Salah from uh, Indiana Jones and uh, many other things too, voice work you've done. and all that. But when it comes to Return to the Hiding Place... There, that's a, that's an amazing story. And I know you've emphasized in your uh, YouTube channel the power of story, too. And so I, I guess one, one question I had in general for you is, what drew you to be part of Return to the Hiding Place? And also, in general, I'm, I'm going to guess a good story, and since obviously it's a true story, too, must have been pretty compelling as well.
3: We don't know how lucky we are to be living in this time. If you look at what the germans were doing in europe in the lifetime of my parents uh, and i was born in 44 so they were still pretty active then yeah you know we just take our liberty our freedom of speech our freedom of association our right to have contrary opinions we take it for granted and we we always imagine that we were the ones who would stand up for it and, you know, against uh, uh, oppression and stuff like this. When you are hauled in by the Gestapo or the Wehrmacht and smacked around a bit, uh, and the question is put to you, who do you know is involved in the underground? Because if you do not tell me, I'm going to take your, your wife, your daughter, your girlfriend your brother your sister out and shoot them so they have got a choice that baby or talk and the quality of poverty? Yes. Is there still a need for improvement? Yes. But we aren't anything like the, the, the virtuous martyrs that we imagine ourselves to be, compared with those people who, who really had to struggle before. You talk about slavery, you look at the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is the thousand-year Reich. If you weren't a Roman, you could be enslaved. Your children were enslaved. If you were smart, you did whatever you could to marry a Roman citizen, make a good dowry for your daughter, because if she can marry that retired Roman army officer who's settling in your province, uh, you know, then their children will never be made slaves.
2: John John Reese Davis, our guest, uh, and, and you know, as as I'm thinking of all the different roles you have played, including in Return to the Hiding Place, specifically. You've been in so many different things over the years. Is there is there any unifying thread in terms of how you prepare for a role? Obviously, Return to the Hiding Place, very very intense and and a different different than SpongeBob SquarePants. But you know, but you know, or, or maybe even talk about talk about for a second maybe your character in in the hiding, return to the hiding place, and then we get to answer this: how you prepare for roles, especially the roles that are more intense like that.
3: Well. Uh... Uh, he's, he's a Jew, he's orthodox, and he is, he is in a world where he knows and suspects uh, that the Germans are killing off Jews. I don't really think that anybody had any true idea of the scale of the mass murder that was going on, you know, in Dachau, Belts, Auschwitz. Um, and there were reports, but you discount it. You don't believe that the civilization that produces Kant, Hegel, Mozart, you know, Bach, Beethoven, uh, it, it, that civilization cannot possibly be doing all the horrible things that it's alleged. It's not really trying
2: to. That's actually in the movie at one point, right? There's a scene where one of the, I forgot which person was, kind of challenged everyone in the room, like, get your heads out of the sand. This is is what's happening. They're not going to a work camp. They're going to an extermination camp.
3: That's right. Now, if you and I with our families were being rounded up and they were saying, look, You're going to be moved. You're going to be relocated. You'll be giving new houses. You'll get a chance to work again, you know, and this sort of thing. And, of course, if you're managing people, people want to be most optimistic. You just had this horrifying train journey, you know, where you've been freezing cold, packed in, starving, hungry, you know, and you get off the train, and, and some people are saying to you, all right, you in that line, you in this line. You lot here, we've got to have, we've got to come into the showers now to de-louse, get clean. You know, you walked into it. We cannot believe that this is really the end. And if you're being manipulated smartly, you would walk into it. I, I did I, I did War and Remembrance, uh, in which I, I played another Jew called Sammy Mutapel. And we were shooting in Auschwitz, actually at the time of um, at Chernobyl, which is hmm. another horrifying story. Sure. And I was sharing a trailer with Hein Topol, uh, you know, Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, yeah. Topol. And it was very interesting because he was a Jew, he was a Sabra, which means that he was, he was born and brought up in Israel. And I was a Gentile playing a Jew but you cannot work in that awful environment without looking at yourself. And the real questions that I had to answer were the desperately uncomfortable question, Well, horrifying. Is there anything in me that would have made me one of those guards? Is there anything in me that would have made me collaborate to survive to be a trustee there, you know. And and it's just so easy to say, no, there's nothing in me at all. There's nothing in me at all. But you go there, and you spend, what, three months there that we spent there, you know, driving in through those gates, you know, in our prison uniform uh, with our our silk thermal underwear under our prison uniform and driving in our chauffeur-driven Mercedes. In through the gates where two million ghosts are looking at you. You know, if you do not have a real measure of, of self-questioning, then yeah. you're either very fortunate or you shouldn't be
2: there. John Reese davis is joining us today. Located in the island of man, the Irish Sea, between Ireland and England... He's had many roles you'd be familiar with, including Gimli the Dwarf and uh, Lord of the Rings. We've had a number of folks check in on Facebook and even some friends texting, reminding me of other roles. So I'll do a few shout outs in a couple of moments to those who have uh, chimed in. There are really too many to mention. There are dozens of them. The one we're talking about, including uh, today, is the uh, 2011 film Return to the Hiding Place. We'll take a quick break, come back, and keep our conversation going with John Reese davis Tim DeMoss Show, and WFIL.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com.
2: 424 in the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. This is the music to Chips, one of many roles, one of many films and TV shows. Our guest John Reese davis has had some hand-in over the years. Mike uh, sent me a text, said he liked John Rhys-Davis in the uh, Victor Victoria film with Julie Andrews. Janine sending a message on Facebook. Princess Diaries 2 was another role she appreciated John Rhys-Davis in. Gary, the Indiana Jones films. Brent said the same thing. And Kel did the same thing. So, that's just a handful. I'll play a couple clips for you, perhaps, of other roles that John Reese davis has, uh, has held over the years. But we are focused today on one film in particular, Return to the Hiding Place on a much different uh, you know, tone. It's much, much more serious, true story, powerful story. How were you affected as you worked uh, with this movie and in this movie? What, what impressed you?
3: What is extraordinary about and many of them were just young people, the strength of their Christianity and their, the strength of their moral purpose and their determination to, to save as many Jews as they could. It's of such a heroic stature and, and, and comes from such a, a deep-rooted belief in Christianity and Christ And yet, it is part of their ordinary nature. I mean, what they did was just about miraculous. The sacrifices that they made um, were—I mean, life and death sacrifices. Right. Their courage uh, is is monumental.
2: John Reese Davis, our guest, uh, and we're chatting about a number of different things, but also uh, return to the hiding place, the movie, and uh, how much how much were you familiar with the storyline? Uh, or had had you read uh, The Hiding Place, the original? I know I read it as a kid, but I hadn't read it in a lot
3: of years. And fortunately... Well, the... I, I I read it as a kid. Okay. Uh, uh, as well. Okay. And, yes, I did know the story.
2: Yeah. But did you know Return to the Hiding Place? I had no idea that about this teen group that supported them in their
3: efforts. I'd never heard of that. No. it's They're just very remarkable people. Um, from that deep faith, which is so profound, that there isn't any real doubt or question about it. It is, you know, you know. what does God want us to do in these circles? God expects us to do this. This is what we must do. There's not a question of what it will cost us. Yes, it will cost us, but this is what Christ expects of us.
2: Yeah. Did you feel that the film, and again, because you go in and out of roles so often, and you've had so many, uh, was Return to the Hiding Place, did you come away, or, or how different did you come away from having been in it, or, uh, or things you thought about because of being a part of Return to the Hiding Place?
3: Well, I, I've, done a, I've done a lot of, I mean, I read a lot, and I think a lot, and I travel a lot. You know, I, I have so much background accretion of knowledge and, and a measure of insight into Judaism, Christianity, and, and totalitarianism that, you know, it, it isn't like a wholly new experience for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I am always astonished by the quality of some people's lives about the, the strength that real faith, real faith, gives some people. You know, your, your jaw drops in just sheer awe at their courage. You know, make no mistake about it. There have been, and there are still, People whose moral strength and whose faith yeah. makes them some of the great everyday heroes of our time. You know, they are far more profound and committed and courageous than most of us will ever be. And
2: John Reese davis our guest. By the way, my wife and I have a daughter who is disabled. She's 14. She's come a long way. And the only reason I know how to pronounce your last name and not say Davies is because we have a friend, Mark Davis, who I used to say Davies. He's from the U.K., who's been part of her therapy. (laughs) So that was Uh, some years back. I am correct in saying Davis, right? Do people get say Davies all the time?
3: Davis. Actually, D-A-V-I-S is pronounced Davis, and D-A-V-I-E-S is pronounced Davis. The distinction is that the English Davis is, just for the sake of simplicity, historically, just dropped the e it is our belief that we are descended of more than saint david but we are descendants of david himself yeah well yeah
2: <laughs> there you go yeah well let me ask you this on a light note i actually watched return to the hiding place with my uh daughter and a very good friend of hers and uh, halfway through somebody had to use the restroom so he paused it and then uh I said, hey, maybe we should make some popcorn right now. And she said, Dad, this is not a popcorn movie. I was <laughs> like, Oh, I guess you're right. I can't even weasely in. It was, you know, weasley into making some for dear old dad. And then so I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't be munching on popcorn while I'm watching this particular film. So I I did not. And along those lines, too, because your character in the film, there's some humor there where Corey Ten Boom wants you to help with the dishes, and you're quoting scripture about why you shouldn't have to, and she's quoting opposite scriptures saying why you should have to. And uh, my my daughter says, "Ask him if he helps with the dishes at home,
3: <laughs> like in real life." <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you my version of the truth. Okay, but my wife and son and daughter <laughs> would all say. Dad is useless. Uh, uh, He's the most undomestic creature that we know. Dad's argument is, hey, listen, I'm the provider here. I'm the one who makes sure that there's a roof over our heads, that school fees are being paid, and the one who makes sure that there is money to not only shop but pay the car bills. And it's just the male thing of avoiding <laughs> uh, domesticity really, but I'm so spoiled and I spend so much of my life living in hotels that I'm just a really spoiled brat.
2: <laughs> That's uh, funny. You know, one other quick question for you, just in terms of your craft over the years and the different roles you've played and the opportunities you've had both on screen and off screen, Uh, Maybe this is a good analogy. I've worked in radio the last 30 years, and I've also been a mobile DJ, done weddings and parties, that same time frame. Well, I like them both very much. But when you're on, uh, you know, playing a a wedding, you're there. You can see the people. They can see you. You're interacting. When you're on the radio, it's more theater of the mind, and it's a different form of communication. Uh, I don't know if you had a preference personally for the, you know, on screen versus the voice work you've done and what each one offers you.
3: As you say, they're all different. I mean, what you project project when you're on a stage, for instance, is on a different scale and, and, you know, you have more gesture and things like that, but it's still burning energy. I like doing things that I haven't done before. You know, I'm a sucker for, you know, for people saying, would you do this? And, and, And my agent saying... John, you don't want to do that. I mean, there's, A, there's no money in it, and there's all that. And you say, yeah, but, you know, I've never done it before. And uh, it's always good to be in a position that's outside your comfort zone. I had a very interesting experience. I did a biblical thing not too long ago. I won't mention it, because I don't want to embarrass the poor director fellow. But I got there, and, you know, quite clearly, I was certainly not the director's choice. And for some reason or another, he really hadn't wanted me on the show. It was a relatively small part, you know, and I was saying to him, look, my dear chap, don't worry about this. He said, well, you can't do it that way. And I said, well, of course I've got to do it that way. That's, you know, I, I, I can do it anyway. I can do it any way you want, but it would be wrong to do it that way. And, of course, there's a pile of producers around his monitor You know, and they call him over and say, no, no, he's got to do it that way. He's got to do it. You know, so it was a very uncomfortable situation. Hmm. But how wonderful to have to deal with someone who doesn't really like you and doesn't really want you and and to cope with that. Uh, And hugely refreshing.
0: Uh, I have to
3: say, I frankly don't think he was a terribly good director, but I don't know how or why he'd reached that conclusion before he'd actually met me. But anyway, the point I'm making is don't be afraid to go out of your comfort zone and indeed trying get out of your comfort zone, because in dealing with that extra challenge, it forces you to evaluate what you have been doing and how you're doing it. And perhaps it, it, it may actually make you think, you know what, I've been doing this for 50 years that way, and times have changed. People have changed, and I'm not sure that I've modified my behavior sufficiently to recognize that change. That I welcome uncertainty, actually.
2: John Reese davis uh, joining us. Been in many films, including Lord of the Rings, Raiders of the Lost Ark films, lots of TV programs as well. If you just look them up uh, on Wikipedia or IMDb, you'll see a very, very, very long list. We'll chat some more about that, maybe give you a quick clip here in a moment, uh, just to check on the forecast briefly, uh, kind of cloudy, may get a shower, thunder shower the rest of the afternoon and or this evening, uh, low down to 66, lots of sun tomorrow, but a shower possible along the way and a high of 92. Don't forget, we're also talking about Return to the Hiding Place, uh, the film that was, uh, you know, just, it, was, it came out a number of years back, but it's being released and you can actually uh, see it. There's a link on the bottom of our homepage at WFIL.com. Uh, there's a cost to it, but there's a, a 20% off deal if you enter the code WFIL. So if you want to see this film, it's um, it's quite a film, tells the story of Hans Poli, who is a non Jewish fugitive. After he refused to pledge his allegiance to the Nazis, he was the first person hidden in that 10 boom house, folks know from the uh, hiding place story in Holland, became a key figure in the Dutch resistance and in Corey's army, which was a secret group of untrained university students uh that really it's a it's a tremendous story i can't do justice to it here look it up and if you get a chance uh, take a look at that film return to the hiding place brief break come back with more it's tim Demar's show by the way uh, in case you have to tune out or in and out or you missed a part we're gonna have the podcast of our program up a little after uh 5 o'clock
1: tonight so you can look for that as well at wfil.com live and local It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: 439, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Trivia Thursday is tomorrow, by the way, guys against the Gals. Ladies have won the last three in a row. Guys won the first one, so we'll see if the guys can get back in the winning side of the column. In the meantime, we continue our conversation from the Isle of Man. The Irish Sea between Ireland and England. Actor John Rhys Davis, known very well for his role as Salah in uh, the Indiana Jones films, a couple of those, and also as Gimli the Dwarf in Lord of the Rings and many other roles. One of those roles from Jungle Book 2 as Ron John's father. I think that's how you say it. I can't keep it all straight. Here's an example. Shanti, what is it?
3: Children, come inside this instant, all of you! Mowgli, that includes you. I am very disappointed in you. You put everyone in danger. You know that you're not allowed to cross the river, and yet you deliberately disobeyed me.
2: But but I... No,
3: Mowgli. The jungle is a dangerous place. I should know. You are confined to your room without dinner. That should give you plenty of time to think about what you've done.
2: That's John Reese Davis, just one clip from *Jungle Book* two, and uh, among many other roles uh, that that he has played. Again, folks will know you from your roles, obviously as Gimli on screen, hard to miss with *Lord of the Rings*, and of course your your voice with Treebeard, and then uh, in *Indiana Jones*. And uh, a right? Was the how you pronounce that? And um, the best
3: the best diggers in Egypt.
2: Yes, yes. So those must have been exciting things to be a part of, obviously, and, and and all that. But you have had dozens of other opportunities, and they are so all over. There are some unifying themes. Folks will see your name pop up on biblical projects, and obviously, I think your voice would would lend itself to the the reading of things or or the uh, the drama behind the, some of
3: those projects. So you must enjoy yeah, that. I had a wonderful experience. I was asked to read something, and I, I chose to read it in the way I think stories were told and are told. And, you know, normally when we read something from the Bible, we put on that biblical voice, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it, it's sonorous and magnificent, uh, but this was a little reading at Christmas time in a little church in, uh, in New Zealand, and I read it in a way that I think that one should read to children. Hmm. Now there were, at the same time, shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and an angel of the law came unto them, and glory shone around them, and they were sore afraid. So what you're doing is, if you've heard it in a different way all your life, then you, you may rightly say, well, that's not the way to do it. And one of the great virtues about being an actor is that you keep trying things. Obviously, you have an obligation to your audience to give them value for money and to satisfy them. But sometimes you've got to try and make them listen in a different way. Perhaps you've got to keep it fresh in your own mind. I learned those things from when I was 13 or 14 and reading them in chapel in school so that you memorize them, you know. Now there were in the same country shepherds in the fields, uh, abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of God on around them and they were so afraid and that's how you learn it you know when you're in school but the nativity is an extraordinary moment and very few artists actually get those extraordinary moments right da vinci does in the the annunciation you know that long rectangular painting right and the virgin is a little bit high and this abnormal separation from the angel talking, but it just arrests you. It, it just says, this is visually something that you've not seen before, because this is something that has never happened before. And that's, that's the genius of great art. And, and we imitators, or we would-be artists, you must try to emphasize the extraordinary sometimes to make you see that Annunciation, But Leonardo paints it, and it, it just arrests you. Mankind is extraordinary. We've done extraordinary things, and we will do extraordinary things. But by goodness, we can certainly muck up decent bits of life as well.
2: John Reese davis a privilege talking with you. And for folks uh, who'd like to also just kind of keep up on your series, if you will, where you're, you're sharing thoughts on different things, different topics, um, RealJohnReesDavis.com is a good start, right? And then they can. uh, Are you still doing the videos, or periodically, just as you have the opportunity? Well, I I,
3: I, yeah, I meant to be, um, and yes, I do. You understand that I'm a technological moron. But I depend on my good friend, David Armstrong, who has managed to set up a little remote-operated studio in this lockdown for me. And my wife manages the questions and answers on the thing because quite often I can't even get onto my own site to, to read things. Cause I don't know. I'm I, um, You're not the you know, only one.
2: Could... Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, uh,
3: I was forced to get an iPhone the other day. I don't know how to use the darn thing. <laughs> it took me two weeks to realize that when swiping in an order to get, you actually had to cross that little line at the bottom. Anyway, um, well, a, I am quite good at other things. Well, <laughs>
2: I, know ah, you, ah. I know you love to read. I know you love stories. I know you love thinking on things. And it's uh, the world being as flat as it is, it's great where there doesn't have to be pressure. Like you don't have to do one for a while, but you could do three in a day. You could do three in a year, whatever. But the idea of being able to, you know, up close and personally, hear your thoughts on a wide variety of subjects. I think it's a it's a neat endeavor that I think you started earlier this year. And uh, if I have my facts straight, and just wanted to let people know that they could they could tap into that if they like, including I think your very first one had to do with your family, a family tree, your grandfather, your dad. That's important stuff for oh, people yes, to yes, know. Yes, you know, yes,
3: yes. well, if one does try to remember some of these things and pass them on. You know, you never ask your mom and dad enough questions while they're alive. And you really should. You should get down with a tape recorder and record all those things because time passes and suddenly they're not there. And some of those things are gone. Some of those memories are gone. And so partly it's a, a, an aid memoir to my 14-year-old daughter and my 52-year-old son and 49-year-old son. But also it's, uh, it's just reflections on... I mean, I've been a very silly person and I've been a very stupid person. But I fortunately lived long enough through enough crises to be able to see the probability of how this one will pan out. And we're at an age where there are so many potential major catastrophes that could happen that it's very interesting to see the way we respond to it.
2: Folks just tuning in, John Reese davis our guest. You know, as you're speaking there, something comes to mind, you've got to be really careful about what you say. Uh, these days about coronavirus because obviously the people have had a lot of different experiences with it. That's fine. But I didn't put this on Facebook, but I did share this with a couple of friends and I said in 125 years, all 7 billion people on the planet will be dead. Not to be morbid, but just to say there's so much energy going into this minute. All of like, what are you afraid of? Okay. You're afraid of dying. Ultimately. That's what, that's what the fear is. Why are we wearing masks? Why are we staying home? Afraid of dying? Okay. So what we're, re- we're doing is we're delaying something that will happen. So all the numbers flashing on TV, this million, this many thousand, that's all a drop in the bucket compared to just, just go down the timeline a little bit. And so are you ready when that moment comes? Because to me that's the ultimate question. And in the movie that we've been talking about throughout our conversation, Return to the Hiding Place, when the when the when uh, some of the resistance members are facing potential execution – one of them says to the other, "This is not the end. This is just the beginning." Reminding themselves that our bodies may die here, but eternity's coming, and we're going to be with God, and we're going to be good. That's the one perspective I, I try to remember for myself: is say above and beyond all the current stuff that that matters, certainly matters. It doesn't it's not disregarding it, but it's not the end game. You know, what does God say about what comes next, and how do I get there so I can, you know, this world is going to go away at some point. Where am I heading? And to have that eternal security and not, not have to live in fear but to live with confidence that no matter whether things are going great or whether it's very difficult challenges – and we've seen our parent, my, my wife's uh, mom was in a concentration camp back in the 40s for four years. So like she's seen very hard things and nothing that I've ever seen, like you said, we're in a blessed time and don't know what those folks had to go through. All of that said, the encouragement I think and I take away from the film – to return to the hiding places, their courage that they showed was, was, I think, partly because maybe largely because they knew what was coming. And so they had the confidence in, in God, even if the things around them were, were so hard and so uh, scary. (laughs) So just some thoughts on, on, on all of that. Yeah. Anyway,
3: you're absolutely right. Those with real faith can face adversity far better than those who do not have faith. Um, I watched somebody dying not so long ago and they had no faith whatsoever and they could not talk about death. You you could not sort of speak to them about anything related to it, like treatments and things like that, because you couldn't raise the fact that that they were going to die. And they were terrified, poor fellows. And yet I remember a lovely old friend of mine. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer and she summoned all her friends to have a party in the last week that she died. And I went down there, you know, I gave her a hug and said, soft landings, darling. And she said, oh, don't worry. I'm sure I will have soft landings. But the difference between those with certainty and those with absolute fear, because they know life is going to end all too soon for them. is just remarkable. You know, I often think uh, if I was arguing with Dawkins about faith, I would say to him, well, you know, I consider your insistence that perhaps all children should be brought up to understand that there is no God. I think I would probably say to him, I think that's a form of child abuse, actually, because we actually know that people going to church tend to live 18 months or 14 months longer than those who don't though I do believe that coronavirus is doing something very odd. Right at the moment, the statistics suggest that those with faith are more accepting of death from coronavirus and are dying in larger numbers than those who who have no faith and are struggling for life before death.
2: (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Yes. (laughs) Yes. that's John Reese Davis from the Isle of Man we have one quick break to take you know him from Indiana Jones from Lord of the Rings and many other roles actually had a couple episodes of the Perry Mason movies back in the early 90s the second wave of that man hey we have one more quick segment knock out a break come back in a second Tim DeMar show on WFIL
1: have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email D at wfil.com.
2: It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Actor John Reese davis Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, even Star Trek Voyager. A couple episodes in the late 90s. And we're talking today about the uh, Return of the Hiding Place film. Must have been amazing and very powerful to be in and fulfilling, really, to be in such a film.
3: Oh, enormous. enormous. But particularly because if it shocks you personally as an actor, then you can share that astonishing experience. I mean, they were living in a nightmare and just closing their eyes and acquiescing would have got them through the war. But the fact was those who knew that what was happening was wrong could not morally fail to try and ameliorate that wrong I mean, these are people of of such extraordinary courage, and they should be as inspiring to us as any of the saints. Hmm. In exceptional times, there are, thank God, exceptional people who do the right thing and know what the right thing is to do. And if we are ever put in that circumstances, or our children are ever put in circumstances like that, then... Oh, please, please let us
2: do the right thing. You know, and to your point, I, I'm just thinking as you say that, I remember in the film, they talk about the war, uh, partly being the fact that it was won when they're done. They're saying when this, when this is over, I forgot who said this, but when the war is over, we're not going to say it was a, a big army that did it, but it was going to be the everyday person who was faithful right where they were with what they were, you know, the, the roast, the challenge in the case of Corey's army. So that's, a, that's an encouragement, I think, to anybody who's listening, that they don't have to have achieved a military, high military rank or be famous or have a big platform. Those folks can certainly help too, but not just that.
3: Civilization is really made by the good deeds and good actions of the bulk of people, of decency, good conduct, love, kindness, generosity, I said to my daughter the other day something which I had seen somewhere. If you really want to be a decent person, don't just be nice to those who make a difference to you, who matter to you. You know, if you want to see the quality of a person, see the way they conduct themselves when they are dealing with people who really don't matter, are just passing, are just, you know, are just incidental, you know. A bus driver, um, you know, the man in the street that you accidentally bump into, the postman. Yeah. We build a civilization on decency. By being decent, by being fair, by being reasonable, by being kind, by smiling, and that's our part as foot soldiers in the business of moral life, I suppose.
2: Well, John mm-hmm. Reese Davis, it's wonderful to, to chat about the movie Return to Hiding Place and so much more in and out, in and around that your craft and thoughts on on life and uh, and many different, many different uh, good lessons too. History involved here in our conversation, so it's a It's a Renaissance conversation of sorts. (laughs) Well,
3: a big problem. It's a it's a terrible ramble, and I hope I haven't bored (laughs) you or your audience utterly.
2: Not at all. It's a real pleasure. Thank you again so much for taking time to to hang out today.
3: All right. Well, thank you, my dear fellow, and I I have to go now. I'm doing a sound test because I'm doing a a a studio thing tomorrow with a group of people in Ecuador. Would you believe?
2: Okay, I I do believe it.
3: (laughs) Very good. To all your listeners, my very good wishes, and uh, stay the course. We'll get through this.
2: All right. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.
3: Say hi to your baby for me.
2: I'll do that.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com